Coming up on episode two of a 15-minute guide to predictive analytics, we're going to chat with Andre Brocklebank, Systems Optimization Manager at Visi Industries. He will discuss how more and more companies are turning to big data engines to gain new insights into sensor-based data, assets, processes, and business systems for novel operational insights. You're going to want to stay with us, so don't press pause. Welcome, everyone, to a 15-minute guide to predictive analytics, your podcast dedicated to going beyond the hype of AI and digital transformation to explore the methods and tools that translate data into tangible solutions for the operational engineer. As we focus on how to evolve plan operations and transition businesses from reactive to predictive and plan maintenance, you will find each episode 15 minutes well spent. But before we get started, I want to mention this episode is brought to you by Aviva Performance Intelligence. Aviva and OSIsoft have come together to help companies from every industry engineer smarter, operate better, and elevate their business with a world-class suite of operational software. Discover what performance intelligence can offer you and visit www.aviva.com forward slash performance intelligence. That's aviva.com forward slash performance hyphen intelligence. All right, folks, for many companies, the goal is to leverage operational data to deliver actionable insights across the enterprise. In the times of Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, and big data, technology can transform these insights into positive results for both management and end users. But where do you begin the strategic transition from simple data visualization to predictive analytics that truly change those dynamics? To explain that, we have with us today Andre Brocklebank, Systems Optimization Manager at Visi Industries. He's going to discuss the digital transformation process reached at Visi to achieve this goal for their mill and manufacturing systems. Andre, start us off by explaining Visi's digital transformation journey and how it leads to essential predictive analytics. So, and most of what we've been doing and how we've been doing it is associated with asking the right question and using that question to drive us forward. So for, for, for us, there's five main questions that we asked at the very start, and we continue to go back, revisit, and review. So the first one, primary, is what is our vision? What are we hoping to achieve through digital transformation and gaining insights from data? The next question is, where are we? If, if we don't understand where we actually are, where the baseline, where we're starting from, it's very hard to actually plan and move forward. That leads to where do we actually want to go? How does this tie in with our vision? How does it tie in with our organizational objectives, the, the problems we're trying to solve? From that, how are we actually going to measure our successes? How do we measure where we are, where we're going to, and whether we've achieved the results that we're expecting? And last and finally, is it aligned to our values as a business? And a question for you and your business, is it aligned to that? So it's not just about the, the, the insights, the data, it's how is that aligning with the overall objectives of the business? Could you describe what your data infrastructure looked like prior to going on this journey? And also what were the impacts? At a system type level, we've got distributed control systems throughout our plant. We've also got um, communications, and we've also got a manufacturing execution system for scheduling and the like. 
One of our greatest benefits is we've got the BiPi system historian, uh, which includes over 10 years worth of data, which has been proven to be incredibly helpful, particularly when we're, we're, we're looking at gaining insights from those data sets and how we're moving forward. Um, our manufacturing execution system has an awful lot of man, uh, quality type data. And the current state when we actually started is we're actually looking historically. So if something went bad, we'd ask the question, why did it happen? So it was mainly used for, or the data which we had was mainly used for exploratory type things to actually understand problems after they occurred. So where to? And so the key considerations when we're looking at within our, our division of where we're going to is first of all that our digitization strategy uh, was calling for the breakdown of internal silos. So working as one team, and that goes back to our vision of the end-to-end -end value chain. The next consideration is that it's a continuous improvement project. One of the challenges of using digitization or, or these sorts of projects is a vast majority of them actually fail. Uh, and I think the figure is over 80%. So by changing that around to say, look, it's not going to be the, this big bang and everything's going to be there, we're looking at a, a, a constant continual process of improvement. And that comes on to the, this other point, is that digital transformation, and particularly if you're looking at data analytics, et cetera, it is not a one-off expense. This ties in very closely to being at a continuous improvement process. So that if each individual project or things that you're moving forward with, it will be subsets or continually ongoing, building on each other and adding overall value. So when we're looking at our measures, this is an adaptation, what we've developed from what was called the CMMI model. So we're, we're looking at each different sort of uh, feature or, or capability that we wanted to build into the business, be able to measure where we currently were, identify where we want to be, and then determine whether that measure or that target was actually appropriate for, for that focus area that we're going on. So we broke things down into five main areas, being pre-digital, which is just basically paper-based systems, um, manual type uh, interactions, those sorts of things. Now, applying this, we looked at our overall maturity uh, assessment. So you've got um, th those foundational aspects, such as security, uh, having the data, the sensors, the value chain integration across the, the division, as well as the business, interoperability, governance, data, those sorts of questions and, and delivering that sort of maturity. Uh, innovation, where we're we going to have that innovation, people and culture, which is absolutely critical uh, in doing these sorts of things. Getting those levels of maturity to the place that is meaningful to the business, then hopefully will drive the business capabilities or the outcomes, such as being able to support production planning supply chain lab execution, quality management, um, having the right, by having that foundational stuff uh, or information, you can then drive forward to identify golden batch or, or making sure things are absolutely perfect. Uh, manufacturing support and also manufacturing um, execution and process automation. What were some of the key focus points your team targeted to make sure you were achieving the goal? And also, what were some of the focus points from a business capability perspective? 
So first and foremost is the safety and environment, making sure that we're, we're doing things in a safe way, not just for ourselves, but also the environment and everybody around us. Next is having a focus on our customer base and making sure we're, we're providing to them what they're doing we're de or, or require. We're building a strong relationship. Acting with a sense of urgency and passion uh, for, for the business and what we're doing. A relentless pursuit of best value. And this comes into uh, how we're using data, what sort of questions we're, we're asking and pushing that forward to actually provide as much value as possible. And last and not, but not least is encouraging um, and developing excellence in people. And part of this for me as well is also having the right data, asking the right question, the right data to support that and um, being able to make decisions based on data. So the things which we're focusing on from a business capability perspective is improving our manufacturing execution and process automation. So that, that could be uh, advanced controls, multi, multivariate process control systems, advanced process control systems, optimizing what we've got, those sorts of things. And also the support that we're actually adding to um, manufacturing. And this could be in which some of the subject of this talk is about is the visualization of data, allowing uh, sites and our plant operators to actually see what's going wrong or predict there's a potential of something going wrong in the future. So underlying those focus areas is we're looking at our business insights and analytics. So how do we support that business? How do we understand where the opportunities are for automation and advanced control systems and things like that, which is also um, supported again by the people and culture. Without the people, we can't do these sorts of things. The innovation that's required to be able to provide this and the smart ways that uh, different people, teams, or, or processes that we can bring to actually achieve the outcomes and the business capabilities, and the security and operations. And this is a big thing for us, particularly because we're looking at our operational technology stack, how we're actually doing our core business, which is actually manufacturing things. So we need to make sure that that doesn't get compromised by anything that we're doing. So when we're moving forward and we're looking at our basic building blocks, Everything is for us is underpinned by people, processes and systems. Some people refer to systems as technology. Without those three, it's very hard to get a positive change uh, from our experience. And underpinning those is the data. So the, the accuracy of the sensors, the data that's being used and gathered. Without that, again, using a lot of the advanced analytics, if you've got bad data going in, more than likely you'll get uh, outcomes or projections that may not necessarily reflect uh, actuality. So it's very important also to have that base system and that base data correct to actually build from a foundation going forward. Then you've got the systems and internal services. How are you actually leveraging that data? How is this being reported? How is that going to be used for a control? Next is actually interconnectivity of those services. Can we get insight across multiple different systems or processes? How do you build upon that within the, the vertical or across the end-to-end -end value chain? And then the overall services. And 
across the business. So it could be looking across divisional and the, the opportunities that we have, but always within the context of the people, processes and cultures. Also with regards to these foundational aspects, if um, I, I think it's very difficult when you look at artificial intelligence or machine learning or analytics or, or those sorts of things to actually expect that if everything is really, really bad, that this will be the panacea to move forward. So if you take the example that you may have a lot of motor failures or you're not predicting motor failures, putting in analytics to actually identify potential problems when the root um, issues such as motor alignment or lubrication or uh, keeping things clean, etc., that could actually resolve, say, 94, 96% of potential issues. Andre. Plants can be viewed as living assets since they can age and also be rejuvenated through maintenance. How do you manage the real-time machine learning models to be dynamic and compensate for such changes to the asset? Uh, yeah, really, really good question. I think the thing, it always comes back down to what are you trying to achieve? Um, so there's a reason why that asset's changed or that plant has actually been moved forward. So what was those sorts of things? For us, paper making really hasn't fundamentally changed, but if we have a new asset or a change within the process, then one is actually the business case around why that change was required, what's the benefit, and what was that decision based on. The next is how you actually gain the, the insight from that change and, and moving forward. So... I think this goes back, or the answer it goes back to one of those main considerations, which is accepting that um, doing these sorts of things is a continually changing, evolving, moving system. It's never, it's never going to be a done once and done. Um, and one of the great benefits that we've got, as I said, is we've got 10 years worth of data in our historian that we can draw down on. So when we put a new, net, new asset online, we put in all the information from that asset into our historian to then be able to conduct the analytics and to, to move forward to determine whether it's performing, um, whether it's reliable, um, how it's working moving forward. Uh, hopefully that answers that question, but because things are constantly moving and changing, you need to move and change with it. So what is the typical amount of time and effort required to develop some of these machine learning models? It depends upon the model, but uh, as a general breakdown from my experience, and, and I think uh, a lot of people have a similar experience, the actual model itself takes very little time. Um, so if we look at, say, the long short-term memory neural network, it took me two days to, to code and, and start testing. However, it's taken almost a month to grab relevant data, process that data, tag it, validate it, verify. So if you look at that in general, I'd say about if you're particularly if you're using supervised learning models and you're being cognizant not to overfit the data um, and, and so that you actually get good meaning from it, I would say 80 to 90% of your effort is actually around validating the data and getting valid data and ensuring it's correct as opposed to the actual model itself. So um, I found quite a few vendors have actually said, hey, we've got these great models, you know, it's really easy to do, but most of the problem actually comes down to the data. Do you have the right data that tells the right story that's a fit for your business moving forward? So yeah, and it depends upon the model.
but I'd, I'd say 80, 90% of the effort is around data. Excellent. What other uh, analysis projects do you have in mind moving forward? Um, we do lots. Again, it's the, or I do, do lots. It's, it's continuing process improvements of building on those successes. So um, we originally started that project based on the concept of detecting motor failures. What it wound up evolving into is the motor variances in the two sigma actually became more reflective of process upsets. So what we're doing is drilling into why do these variances in motors actually highlight a process upset and can we predict it in other ways with the limited information that site has. Uh, we're also looking at um, doing a lot more of the machine learning type analytics around how we improve basic things that we've been doing for decades, like whether it's consistency, um, controls, those sorts of things, and also looking at accuracy of instru instrumentation. Andre, how does regulatory or compliance impact some of the issues at hand? Have you seen in your history any business cases for an organization to keep things disparate? Or is this type of infrastructure a common best practice for today? For, for best practice, I, I think it, it depends, again, the data on regulatory compliance. We, we have a lot of compliance that we have to do, um, not just from a regulatory, but also in an ethical thing, particularly around protection of environment, those sorts of things. These sorts of models or approaches can be used as a tool to ensure that we're not going to get in a situation where we're not compliant uh, with legislation. But the other thing is, is um, one of our values is safety and environment. So we need to do better, in my view, um, than what the regulations say to protect the environment and, and ecosystems, those sorts of things. So using these sorts of approaches to make sure we never actually have those problems or we can predict we have a potential problem, um, there's definitely an application for those. Um, I can't go into a lot of detail around what we actually do um, because of um, confidentiality, those sorts of things. Um, but yes, there is definitely a place around those sorts of things. Um, the project which I told you about with regards to identifying instrumentation is correct and accurate can also link into regulatory compliance because if we're saying that we're doing ABC, we need to make sure that the measures we're reporting on are accurate and correct. So that links into that in, in a way. Okay, folks, our 15 minutes is now up. So be sure to subscribe and join us for our next episode. And if you would like to learn more, be sure to check out our sponsored website, aviva.com forward slash performance intelligence. That's www.aviva.com forward slash performance hyphen intelligence. We'll see you next time.